Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. Wow, hour number three starting off. I'm looking at the dates of, you know, KMOX history. There's a few of them that are spread out here. And on this date, March 1st, Harry Carey would have had his birthday, born 1914. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Robert Hyland, the general manager of KMOX for all those years, uh, passed away March 5th of 1992. And I'm thinking about replaying the Robert Hyland documentary later this week, maybe on Thursday night, just uh, in honor of him and everything he's done, his contributions to radio. I still want to get him into the Radio Hall of Fame, and I hope that this year he'll get a consideration. In the past, I've done that. I've been lucky enough in my career, my radio career, to be able to induct a person into the Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago, and it was a great night. In fact, it was when I was working here at KMOX. um, I tried for a year, and it didn't work. I ended up losing my job in Indiana, was hired here at KMOX, in my application to get that person into the Radio Hall of Fame, a person by the name of Bob Seavers, was accepted while I was working here. And I wasn't even working uh, for the station in which he was known for. And the family was gracious of my efforts and everything. And they said, we would like for you to induct him into the Hall of Fame. And it was one of the greatest professional honors that I've ever received. And I went to Chicago. I did the thing. Uh, I had to the tuxedo rented this tuxedo from Stallone's here. And I got to say, this may be probably the best rental company I've ever worked with in my entire life. They were fantastic. Drove up and had a really good night in Chicago. And it was a cool night. You know, Dave Ramsey was the host that night. I think Sean Hannity was also inducted. Um, Bill Handel is a talk show host out of Los Angeles that I love. He was inducted. Um, hmm, I think Bobby Bones was that night. And there's a few other people that were inducted that night. But still, it was such an honor to be able to be a part of the whole ceremony. And I thought when I moved here, I started looking into KMOX history and said, I got to learn more about the heritage because you, the listener, has probably you probably have a lot of memories of KMOX listening to Cardinals games. And you had the luxury of having one of the greatest broadcasters of all time, Jack Buck right here in your community, be a part of your community. He was on the national stage, but he meant so much to St. Louis and always did so much with KMOX. You had the uh, 
I mean, just think of all the different great, wonderful names. And I started to learn and have a greater appreciation for the history of the radio station that way as I was starting to catch up based on all the things that you already knew about it. And I was shocked to find out that Robert Highland, the mastermind of KMOX for all those years, that KMOX not only uh, as a national powerhouse, but now is still revered as one of the most important radio stations in the history of radio. When it comes to the talk format, launched on February 29th, 1960, it was, uh, this was um, a new idea. Now, talk radio existed, but no one thought to make it into a format. Robert Highland got rid of all the music and he said, we're done with this. We're donating the records and we're going to a community format called At Your Service. And it worked great. So many other radio stations signed on after that. They imitated what KMOX was doing all around the world. And it was all because of Robert Highland. He had a great way of looking at talent. And I thought maybe to honor him, I'll put this documentary together and we'll use it as a way to try to get him into the Radio Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, last year, he was not selected into the Radio Hall of Fame. But I know from my experiences that even if you miss out on the first ballot, or at least maybe you put them in, they're considered in the future, just like Bob Seavers. So I'm hoping that this year, this could be the year that we get KMOX general manager legend Robert Heinland into the Radio Hall of Fame. So coming up on 30 years since his passing, this would be um, this would be a great honor. I really hope for it. Um, another thing, too, I wanted to point out at KMOX.com. There's a big announcement that came earlier today. KMOX welcomes Dave Glover's show to the lineup. This is huge. So Dave Glover is going to be moving over from our sister station, 97.1, and he's going to be doing the afternoon show. And Mark Reardon is going to be moving on to 97.1 and doing the afternoon show there. They're changing their time slots. So the Dave Glover show will join on March 22nd. I think a week later, Mark Reardon's going to be over on 97.1. And there's a story on it online, some comments and quotes from our general manager, our program director there too. If you want to go back into the Radio Rewind, you can go to Mark Reardon's program, hear him talk a little bit about it too. And also on top of it, KMOX is adding a translator is what it's called in the radio industry 98.7 fm it's not a full-time radio signal but if you're in the st louis metropolitan area it's not going to be a problem anywhere i've drove around st louis i've been able to get 98.7 before that was uh, our sister station used that frequency but now KMOX is on it so next time you're in the car take a listen to it see how it sounds you'll be able to listen to KMOX on the fm dial at least if you're in this general area of st louis the metropolitan the more like you know the inner belt i would say if you're listening to this in i don't know toronto canada right now like our friend ian who called in last night not going to really work that same way but go to the website you'll be able to see it right on there all right let's uh go to elvis who's calling in welcome to overnight america well mr wrecker how is uh, you and uh, your family doing Doing pretty good. In fact, we have uh, had hot dogs for dinner tonight, so that's not sitting too well, but my son seemed to like it. So it's a mixed bag right now, I guess, in the Wrecker household. Well, I'm sure your youngest is really getting big. It's amazing how fast he's growing. And even our six-month-old baby, she is growing so fast, it's ridiculous. It's amazing because they grow in and out of clothes like nothing. When If you're in a swap of baby clothes, like let's say you're in an in inner circle and the moms like to, like, here, I'll give you this old clothes and I'll give you that. It is a lifesaver because these kids are in and out of clothes, I mean, within weeks. So that's, uh, she's growing and she's growing, uh, she's growing up big and strong. So thanks for asking. Good, good. 
Well, I'm glad to hear that. Well, uh, I was telling the feller that answered the phone, I said, I mean, no disrespect to Mr. Rubino, because he even tells things at night that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I want him to know, or want you to know, that uh, he missed one vice president, and it was uh, Adlai Stevenson, the first, who was Grover Cleveland's second vice president. Adlai ran with William Jennings Bryan in 1900 uh, on the vice president ticket in uh, against William McKinley and Teddy Roosevelt. And, of course, they lost because McKinley and Roosevelt you know, won. So, okay. But that was the only know. thing that, that I missed, that he missed, because everything else I knew. I didn't know that about uh, Johnson, the first Johnson, but... Uh, okay. So which question is this in reference to with the vice president? Maybe I missed the setup to that one. Oh, uh, he he was talking about uh, vice presidents that ran for president or okay. vice president again. And and he, oh, well, I was going to say Gerald Ford tried in 1980 to become president when Reagan ran the second time. Well, I spent okay, the so third time. Is this in reference to an interview we had maybe last week? No, uh, this I thought it was tonight. I swear he was, I swear this was tonight, Mr. Ecker. Wow, I don't remember talking about that tonight. Maybe my memory is just so completely off, but we we did talk about different positions where they took higher office and then took a lower office after they were out of it. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, 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 that's where I'm coming from. I'm sorry, I don't mean to to be so out of whack. (laughs) (laughs) Out of whack, no. I get you. Rich is good. Okay, I'll have to uh, message him. So you said Stevens is the one? That you were Stevenson, to? the first. Stevenson. Okay, let me Stevenson, message him yeah. on Facebook. And, and I'll see what he says. I, I got one more thing to say to you, then I'll get off here. Uh, okay. You're talking about the uh, the previous generations that worked for Camel X. Mm-hmm. Well, in my autograph collection now, I have Jim White's autograph uh, picture. So cool. Where did you get that? Okay, uh, in 1997, that's that's the year I started writing Politicians, I wrote him one night, or called him one night, and said, explained my situation, so I just wanted to know if you sent autographed photos. And he said, okay, well, wait. And I waited and got off the air, talked to whoever his operator was, and then they told they took down my information, and about a week later, in the mail came an autographed picture of Jim White. Oh, wow. Dr. Eileen would have been who you spoke to, most likely, and that's awesome. That's something radio doesn't do anymore. We don't really have glossy 8.5 by 11 photographs of ourselves to hand out an autograph. It's so strange because radio personalities at a time were looked at as stars. They were superstars. Not looked at the same way anymore, and we don't sign autographs. Yeah. I don't know what's going to change that, honestly. It's just a change in times. Maybe people just don't. Um, want to get in radio like they used to or don't have any admiration for it. I, I just don't know what it is. But Elvis, well, good to hear from you. Hey, thank you for your time, buddy. You have a good night. You too. 314-436-7900. I love the topic of autographs, people that collect autographs. I used to send hockey cards into the mail of my favorite players in hopes that they would send it back. So you would send the card in with a self-addressed stamped envelope. And then maybe like two months later, if you're lucky, you got the card back uh, autographed. And I never knew if they were the ones that actually signed it, but I just, I wanted to believe it was them that signed it. And I used to get all kinds of stuff back. One time I did it to the Red Wings because, you know, I grew up in Detroit. 
And I got back this big packet of stuff. And I think I got a Scotty Bowman autograph something. And I thought, oh, that's kind of (laughs) cool. They sent a whole package back because they understand when it's kids, they want to treat the kids right. And I actually talked to former players and I would ask them, if someone sent you a card, would you sign it? And every player I spoke to has said, yes, I would personally sign those things. So it gives me a little bit of confidence that they did it. All right. uh, 314-436-7900. You can call or text that line right after the break. This may sound like the worst travel debacle I've ever heard in my life. They're calling it inhumane. What are some of your worst traveling stories? I doubt it'll beat this one coming up after the break on KMOX. Radio's BS detector. Mark Reardon. Weekday afternoons at 2 on St. Louis's News Radio. KMOX. All right, here we are in Overnight America. I'm going to describe to you which may be the worst travel story I've heard. It's it's pretty bad, so get get ready for this. This is over in Heathrow Airport. I think that's over in the UK. Uh, I don't exactly know where because I'm not sophisticated like that. So this is a, a pretty big hub. And with all of the different COVID restrictions, there's an uptick in screening. And everyone wants to know these sort of things. So uh, one couple was describing what they had to go through when it came to COVID screening measures when they went over to Heathrow. And they were flying back from Vienna. And afterwards... She's 26 years old at the airport, and the government needed to make sure that, okay, you're, you're screened properly while they were understaffed. She got there and got into line at 6.30, okay, 6.30 p.m. She didn't get through the line until 1.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m. to one. 30 a.m. in the same line. You couldn't get out. You couldn't do anything else. This is terrible. Um, She said she didn't feel safe. She said it was really disorganized. One mother had to feed her baby on the floor. It's not humane. The staff didn't offer chairs. There was no social distancing. Only about three or four people were checking documents. Several passengers told the BBC that they spent five, six, or seven hours waiting in line on Sunday evening with only a few Border Force officials processing their paperwork. Can you beat that travel story? I don't think you can. No one can. That is the worst I've ever heard. This is the worst. Worst, worst, worst. Okay, Heathrow in London. That's nice. We have uh, producer Mike. Middle name is Wikipedia. I didn't know if you knew that about producer Mike. He's very good at this. Oh, he's his middle name is actually uh, producer Mike Ask Jeeves. That's pretty good. A lot of people upset, rightfully so. Uh, I would not like that. Imagine the pressures of traveling with your children and getting stuck in a line that long. I would never want to travel. Um, I wouldn't, and I don't like traveling anyway. My wife makes fun of me. She says, you know, after we got married, all of a sudden you didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> I said, yeah, you know, kids change that. <laughs> it's a big hassle. Imagine flying uh, and then getting to your destination and you have a rental car waiting for you and you're thinking about your vacation and, oh, I can't wait. Oh, I heard there was a good pizza shop around the corner or, oh, I, the view is going to be great. Oh, I can't wait to get to the beach. Oh, I can't do this or whatever. And then you're at the airport for seven hours with a six-year-old and a six-month-old <laughs> and your wife's angry and upset with you. No one's happy. Everyone around you is not happy. There's not one happy person at an airport. Not one. The only happy person at an airport is the one that is free leaving the airport 
when they're in it, they're not happy. Have, have you ever seen anyone trying to fly anywhere that looks happy? Like that, it's always a giant hassle. Oh, I had to park so far away. Oh, they took, they held me up over here. Oh, I got two hours until my flight. Oh, they delayed me. Oh, the person next to me took the last power outlet and I can't plug in my iPhone. That's what you see uh, here at an airport. Oh, the, the lady's crying over here and oh, they're cocking up a lung. No, airports are just not that appealing. Now, I have flown during COVID. Last summer, I flew for a friend's wedding back in Michigan. I didn't have any problems, but it wasn't fun. I mean, uh, other than a storm coming through St. Louis, which delayed our flight a little bit. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. I um, look at it now. It's still not preferable. I'll tell you one story about a flight I took, and this is a pretty bad one. This was when I was living in Ohio, and a friend of mine was working for the airport up in Detroit, and he would get these cheap flights. Cheap flights meaning they put you on standby. So if there was room for you to fly, you'd be able to fly. So that was kind of a cool experience. You'd fly cheap. And we flew from Detroit to Las Vegas. This is, he convinced me to go out to Vegas. And I'm just going to tell you right now, don't do it. I am telling you, it's no good. I, I There's so many people love Las Vegas. I think, what, are they crazy? When I went out there, I hated it. And I thought, who... Who enjoys this? And now someone that's changed so much in my life, I wouldn't even consider going back there. But nonetheless, we went out there, uh, did our thing, had some fun, but not a lot of fun, and then flew back. And on the way back, I'm sitting next to a dude who just got a giant arm tattoo. Now, if you know me, I'm not a big dude. The guy sitting next to me was a, a, a legit big dude. You know, he's probably 300 pounds. Um, and, you know, he's wearing like a cutoff sleeves because he's just got this giant tattoo and he's rubbing this clear gel on it because he said that, oh, I because it's a colored tattoo. I need to keep rubbing this on here because that's what they told me to do. And we're inside of this plane. We're jammed into the seats. He's obviously over the armrest and his gelled arm keeps bumping into me every time the plane hits a little turbulence. Boom, boom. Oh, I'm sorry, man. He was very apologetic, but and I get off and it looks like I was slimed. You seen that scene in Ghostbusters where Bill Murray's walking through the hotel and Slimer goes through him and he gets up and he's just got this ectoplasm all across his body. He's like, I got slimed, Ray. When I got out of that plane, I looked at my friend and I said, I got slimed, Jack. And I, I just all across my arm and he it didn't stop him because he's like, I got to keep rubbing it, man. Worst case scenario. When you're young and you're single. This is a long time ago. It goes to show you how long it's been since I've uh, flown out to Vegas. You think to yourself, oh, you know, I wonder if there'll be another young single uh, girl that sits next to me. And you wonder these things. It's never that. It's always the 300-pound dude that just got a colored tattoo and is wiping gel on his arm. By the way, I w if I had to choose between the two scenarios, scenario A, getting stuck for seven hours in a line at an airport, or scenario B, going from Vegas to Detroit, which is a long flight, you know, Lots of hours involved with a dude getting you just gelled like crazy. I would pick the dude gelling me before sitting at an airport for seven hours with crying kids and no one's happy. Everyone upset. And every five minutes you're thinking to yourself, you got to be kidding me. So bad. I don't think you can beat that travel story out of uh, London at Heathrow Airport. Seven hour lines. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh when we come back, we'll take a look at your weather. If you want to talk about flights, 
or any other uh, travels problems that you've had. And how about this? Would you travel up to space? There's a space hotel that's going to be beginning construction in just a few years, four years from now. This looks pretty promising. Kind of interesting thought. There's some photographs of it. Looks really cool. We'll talk about that coming up after the break. And former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens is apparently evaluating his political future. Uh, we'll see what that means, too. Would you vote for Governor Greitens again? 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinals Open Live. Sponsored in part by TRU's Homes. On your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. And welcome back to Overnight America. I am uh, embarrassed because I just looked at the, the date here and... Uh, the passing of Robert Heinlein, it'll be 29 years, not 30 years this uh, Friday. I'm, I'm getting mixed up. It's only 2021. I thought it was, isn't that amazing? The dates and the way that they work. I am not looking at this straight, but either way, it looks like on Thursday night, I do plan on airing this to just kind of commemorate the great uh, Robert Heinlein and all the accomplishments that he had, not only for radio, but for the St. Louis region. I just wanted to correct that real quick in case anyone was doing math at home and their calculator said error, error. I saw this uh, story out of the Daily Mail. The first space hotel will begin construction in low Earth orbit by 2025. It'll have restaurants, cinemas, and rooms up to 400 guests. Can you see a problem with having a giant space structure that has 400 occupants at any given time out there? There's a picture of this thing. It looks like a giant wheel. And each of these different areas has like a little space shuttle docked. It's like they back into it, and it's so strange looking. It's, it, the only way I can explain it is if you've been to a carnival and they have a giant wheel that you spin, and it has the spokes on them, you know, the spokes on the wheel, and then you spin it, and then there's this kind of arrow that the spokes run up against until eventually the wheel stops spinning, and whatever the arrow is looking at is what you win. That's kind of what this wheel looks like. It looks like there's this one giant rocket that's shoved in the middle that may help this thing spin. And it looks pretty cool, actually. So I don't know how long it would take for them to actually construct this sort of thing, but it's expensive. Uh, I don't even want to know how much it would cost for you to go up there and do something like this. So people could 
buy a module or a private villa up there and create a hotel with a spa, cinema, and more. So it looks like the idea is they would build this, facilitate it, and then other people would run what's inside. The Voyager-class space station will be made up of a series of rings with a number of modules, uh, modules attached to the outermost of the rings. 24 modules altogether is the Gateway Foundation, um, air, water, power, quarters. Since this is going to be built, or at least they project it being built, and they want it to be operational by 2027, then how many movies do you think they can make ahead of time? Horror movies or disaster movies, kind of like Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks, where something goes wrong and then they have to triumphantly try to save the 400 people on board. The concept of the station, a similar idea, first came about uh, in 2012. Looks like the architects of the NASA Apollo program in the 1950s proposed this wheel-shaped habitat, kind of like in 2001 Space Odyssey, where they have that one scene where they're just like running in a circle because it's kind of circular shape. But when you're out in space, it doesn't really feel that way now, does it? What a great view, too. And some of the different mock-ups they have is just unbelievable, fascinating. I wonder how much abuse these things could take. Because the abuse of all the different space debris, and you're talking about a large target. I mean, the International Space Station is pretty large, and luckily it's had minimal damage from space debris. But when you got something that's this big that has 400 people on board, it's just asking for other things to run into it, things that are abandoned space junk. And some of the photos are just hilarious. I'm looking at one where it shows there's a gymnasium in there. And there is a a big basketball hoop, and underneath this basketball hoop is a trampoline. And it shows this guy jumping up trying to dunk on this basketball hoop, while the girl is also jumping up and having some fun up in the air. And I thought to myself, you're in space, and you're going to use a trampoline to fly. The whole idea of being in space is to experience zero G, to have no weight so you can float around. But you're going to go up into space and go to a gym and use a trampoline to get air? What a wasted opportunity. And on top of that, you'd have to be dumb. So how much money would you have to spend to get up there? Are we talking packages of a million dollars or something? I mean, it's not going to be cheap. They're going to spend that much money, and they're not going to experience weightlessness. Oh, and then they have what would be possible, which is pop on a space suit, and you can do a space walk across like this uh, bridge that goes on the outside of the facility and you're out in, in space. Wow. This to me just seems like a great idea and a terrible idea at the same time. I don't know if I'd, I'd want to go to space. Honestly, I think it makes for great opportunities. I could see the bachelor on NBC or ABC or whatever network airs it taking the contestants up there. And wasn't uh, Tom Cruise going to do a movie in space. Did that ever happen? International Space Station studies have looked into all different things, but this could be the biggest experiment of them all, and the government should be able to uh, use this as a case study of what it's like to live in space. Maybe that's like one of the byproducts to all of this. I, do, do you really trust space travel that much? I, here's the thing. When you have an entire staff monitoring one launch, and all the different people behind the scenes that go into making sure that one launch is good. But all of a sudden, you're going to be shooting up 400 people like crazy. You think maybe the quality control might be lowered a little? Or they just expect computers to take over everything? Makes you wonder. Oh, here's another story. This is over at KMOX.com. Former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens evaluating a political future regarding the U.S. Senate. 
I think about Missouri, and I think about we have two Republican senators right now. We have Josh Hawley and Roy Blunt. Right now, uh, Eric Greitens said he wants to leave the door open for possibly running for a seat in Congress, and the Senate could be on his eye. And he was on our sister station, 97.1, where he was talking to the Mark Cox Morning Show. And part of it was, would you consider going after Senator Roy Blunt's seat? Because that's going to be up next year. So in the primary, two Republicans duking it out and see who would take that. And he said, yeah, Mark, look, I'm evaluating right now what I'm going to do this year. Greitens says, I can tell you that I have always loved fighting for the people of Missouri, serving the people of Missouri, loved doing it. When I was a Navy SEAL, when I was attending the mission continues, loved fighting every day as governor for the people of Missouri. Uh, apparently he was at CPAC this year. I didn't get to see any of that, but he was asking about the speculation that he might challenge blunt and keep in mind last year, he did file paperwork with the Missouri ethics committee, which appeared that he was planning on running for office in the future, maybe a little bit later out, but maybe it wasn't this early. I can see people voting for Eric Reitens again. When this was filed, this paperwork was filed last year. I remember doing a a segment on this and I asked, would you vote for him? And I was kind of surprised. I was shocked because it was 50, 50 down the middle. But the thing that I learned was that most women that called in were the ones that would say, yes, I would vote for him again. I think what's going to happen and what could happen. And this is how you get into the better graces of the St. Louis region again. And if Eric Reitens is listening right now, I want you to take note, forget about going down in um remember when he took the zip line down from the roof of the rodeo and he made that appearance and it was kind of like a cool little thing forget about doing stunts like that what he needs to do is take down the circuit attorney in the city of st louis kim gardner because not only did kim gardner get caught purposely targeting him inappropriately she may have broke the law with the deal that was made to uh, when it came to prosecution and not having anything come back on her way, uh, accepting something of value, that thing of value could have been Governor Greitens doesn't seek any sort of damages or other uh, court action against Kim Garner. So there was always that question, was that even legal, that type of trade-off, that deal that was made? But now that we find out that the way uh, Governor uh, Greitens was targeted by the circuit attorney's office, not above board. I think a lot of people are looking at and saying this is some shady business. We know when it comes to Tisby and some of the different people that are now being investigated for lying under oath. What was uh, what was Kim Gardner's role? What did she know? Did she perhaps uh, give the impression of something that wasn't true? And we know that this was all just a witch hunt to begin with because none of this should have came down. None of this should have happened. I would like to see him fight back and say, you know, I'm going to take down the person that targeted me. You know, I'm the victim here of Kim Gardner. Now, if he takes that approach and really puts some pressure on to the circuit attorney's office and highlights all the failures that we've had in that office here in St. Louis, all the criminals being cycled back, uh, no support for the cops and uh, the ones that are on that exclusion list, I should say. Uh, if we could look at that and maybe get that cleaned up, he'll be a hero. And on a national scale, if we have these problems with these circuit attorneys that are more political forces than they are trying to enforce the law, that's a way for him to get back into the graces on the national scale, too. This could be a big win. So maybe we could see some of that going down. Would you now, everything you know, in knowing more than we did last year, vote for Eric Greitens? 
I don't. I still think it'd probably be right down the middle, 50-50. If we did a straw poll here on Overnight America, mostly because I think the things that they didn't like about him, they still don't like about him. He had a hard time making friends in Jefferson City. He was definitely not a popular guy. And even people of his own party, he wasn't popular with. But he was someone that uh, stood his ground. He stood on what he believed in. He had strong conservative values, and that was enough to get him elected in the state of Missouri. And I think that was enough for a lot of people. So would you vote for him? Let's say he runs up against Roy Blunt in the primary. Would you who would you go for? Roy Blunt or Eric Reitens? 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Just between those two. I'm not going to add any other names. We're not going to look at who might be a challenger on the Democratic side. Blunt or Greitens, if you had to pick one right now, who would you pick? This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Wow. So I guess no one cares about Greitens or Roy Blunt. That's not a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign for enthusiasm when it comes to politics inside the state of Missouri right now because before, I mean, this was uh, the the possibility of an Eric Greitens comeback actually got some people excited but um, maybe it's not like that anymore. You know what also uh, was on the list of things not exciting? The Golden Globes. Uh, ratings looking like all-time lows for the uh, early numbers that came out for NBC. 78th annual Golden Globes on Sunday night. We're saying not too good. So uh, 1.2 rating with adults in the 18 to 49 demographic, about 5.4 million viewers. Now, that may seem like a lot of people, but all things considered, the things that people get excited about and talk about, not anymore. So in 2020, just to put a comparison, there was 18.3 million viewers. It dropped to 5.4 million. Okay, that's a big drop. Ratings were a lot higher, too. Um Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were the ones that were putting it together. They said they're going to try to stay away from politics in order to get more people to watch. And, all you know, people like them. Tina Fey. I like Tina Fey. I like Amy Poehler. They're funny. They don't seem overtly political. It's not a giant uh, turnoff every time I see them and say, no, I got to flip the channel. They're not ruined or spoiled on me. That really surprised me. I thought that would be enough to get people to watch this sort of thing. It's their fourth time co-hosting. Of course, they were SNL alum. Tina Fey did a show on NBC, and so did Amy Poehler. Both of them, I think, have been lifelong friends. I don't know if they're best friends, but when it came to viewership, just terrible. There was more people watching uh, CBS that night. Let's see, The Equalizer, more people watching that. NCIS, LA, NCIS, New Orleans. Why don't they have the NCIS St. Louis? How do we get onto that list? Because there is, what, about 12 of those different shows out there? I think, do they just go down the largest populated metropolitan areas and then eventually we'll get down to St. Louis when they run out of cities? Are we going to be right after NCIS Indianapolis? So the winner overall was 60 Minutes that had 7.9 million viewers. No one likes the Golden Globes, I guess. And that's a sad thing. Uh, Worst Golden Globes botched its diversity scandal, too, is what some people are saying. And this was even trending on CBS News last night during the the top of the hour news. They were talking about how uh, different people were looking at it as, oh, there's the the foreign press don't have proper representation when it comes to 
diversity and how can we, I don't know if people were purposely trying to boycott it because of that. Maybe they just didn't care. Maybe just because Golden Globes, what do they give out? This is, uh, I, th I think the one last night was the Ted Lasso actor ended up getting a Golden Globe and that was the first time Apple TV received one. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis. He's a funny guy and that was well-deserved, I'm sure. But who cares? No one cares. No one cares. And I almost feel bad for him in a certain way because I, I think about all the different opportunities that people have had to enjoy things and sit on their couch and do nothing and then been forced to consume. And they still don't care about this sort of thing is maybe it's just time to get rid of these award ceremonies altogether, the giant pats on the back and just be done with it because maybe the productions themselves are going to cost too much in the future. Three, one, four, four, three, six, 7,900. I'm going to go through a couple of things that I um, was bringing up on the show. There's one story on Fox two the other night that really broke my heart. And this is over in Arnold. So a dad was talking about the experience that he had waking up early in the morning when there was someone that broke into his house and he was face to face with someone that kidnapped his son. And this story really spoke to me because I thought about what it would be like for me to wake up with an intruder in the house, barricading themselves inside of my son's bedroom. This broke my heart to hear this dad on TV crying talking about his experience. I'm holding the child. You can't have the child, but I'm holding the child. <coughs> Tears. And, and this is what the kidnapper, the person that broke into their house said. Uh, to imagine that from behind a door, you hear this. I'm holding the child. You can't have the child, but I'm holding the child. Is your two-year-old son. You have someone that broke in. I'm holding your child. You can't have the child. He's sleeping. Tears flowed down Kevin Anders' face as he explained his worst fears after a man broke into his home through a garage window and barricaded himself in Anders' two-year-old son's room early Saturday morning. He starts yelling at me that we're all going to die, that we're not safe here, that he doesn't know me, that that he has to keep the baby, that he's he's going to keep him safe, and that and then starts telling me the baby's asleep. Arnold and the baby being a two-year-old, I, I hear things like this, and the guy had to have been on drugs or something, right? I don't know that. It's not part of this article, but uh, he said he had a history of a DWI as part of the article. Arnold police identified him as 42-year-old Darren Stallman charged with kidnapping and first-degree burglary. If, as a father, and I, I think about this, and it's sometimes hard to consolidate being a Christian and then hearing about stories like this and wondering what you would do in a scenario, but I think most dads listening right now would think I would beat that meth out of him if I got my hands around him, if he was taking my kid hostage and I had an opportunity to get him out of there as fast as I could. And for the safety of my family and my children, um, it's hard as a dad because you don't know what you'd be able to do. And he's just forced with this right now. He's forced with this scenario where a stranger breaks into his house, barricades him into his two year old son's home uh, bedroom. And says, I'm holding him. Then he was chased by an officer and then arrested in the in the neighbor's yard. Ander is worried because he says Stallman has a criminal history and someone his family may have to see again. This person who, who did this is somebody who could wind up being released from court and wind up next door. In the Oh, no, 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 no. You know, earlier we got a text message on this story and the person said that um, they would have to move. There's something else you can do. Uh, one person texted in. That's why I keep a shotgun. 
you can't use it in that scenario because if the person barricades himself, you can't use a gun because you run the risk of hitting your child. And obviously you don't want that. What do you do? And you want the police to come in with a battering ram or break through the window or whatever, kind of like those movies where they repel from the roof and break through a window of a high rise in order to neutralize the situation. That's what I would expect the Arnold police to do. I don't know if they're trained to do that. Would they lasso around like a, um, a what would be on top? You'd have some sort of air vent or a fireplace, brick fireplace vent. So they would lasso around that and swing down through the window. Does it even work like that in the movies? In the high rises, those windows are pretty strong and resilient. I don't think any guy could just like swing down and use their momentum and their body weight to go through. I think they're a little bit stronger than that. But either way, at least the police got them. And they have the right fear to think that this person might just get turned right back onto the street, might come back and stay with wherever they were staying and try to get back into the house. In the normally quiet neighborhood... Cheryl Sischler says it was shocking. The most important thing is everyone is safe physically, but it's already taking a toll on Anders' family in another way. The mental trauma, it's real. Uh, last night, I mean, my kids were afraid to go to sleep because this happened when they were asleep. Ah, uh, just terrible. Just terrible. I, I relate to him, and I think he, at this point, they're probably thinking, well, I, all I can do is move unless we can force the neighbors out. I wonder if a restraining order, could you get that? Because if you were victimized by someone that lives really close to you like this, uh, the right thing would say, I think a judge would sympathize with you and your family. I think they would understand with what you're coming up with, but maybe just being part of that house. You know, I've you talk to people that lived in homes where crimes were committed and either they were the victim or a family member was the victim. And it's very traumatizing because if a life was lost, it's even worse than um, you want to leave things the way they were. You want to leave the room the way they were because that's uh, preservation becomes part of the human nature. Now, in the case like this, every time you look at it, it's tainted. You think, remember when we were violated by someone coming in here? We were violated by the fact that this guy broke in and, and took hostage. Uh, maybe they can get a security system and I don't know, maybe someone listening right now is thinking and they run a security business. Maybe, maybe I'll go out there and I'll help. Maybe I'll put some bars up in the windows or whatever so they don't have to move. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to take, but whatever it is, that dad, I'm sure, is running through all the different scenarios. Maybe he's waiting for a stimulus check to come in to move, get a couple extra bucks in a U-Haul and that'll be able to help him or maybe put a down uh, payment or whatever uh, deposit somewhere else or maybe he owns the home and maybe he's going to put an electric fence around or maybe he's going to go get himself a nice big dog or something that'll help you know a dog is always a great answer by the way uh, and i know dogs are in demand because of all the companionship they offer during this coronavirus these different shelters are having a hard time keeping up with demand everyone wanted to get an animal in the house get a big old dog the family will love it and they're a huge deterrent to crime when criminals or whatever it is here at Barking Dog, they think, I don't want to deal with this because I don't know what's going to happen when I get in there. Let's just hope that this uh, family is taken care of and they're not the ones that have to be victimized every night when it comes time for bedtime. All right, we got one more hour of Overnight America coming up next, right here on KMOX. Be 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 